about dealing with discouragement. Last Sunday I told you, do I have to do I have to mention this one more time? Last Sunday I told you go skiers. <laughs> There's a reason I'm doing it right now. You ever hear a trash talk? That's trash talk. I'm going to give you a, de- a definition of trash talk. It's a form of insult that is usually found in sporting events, although it's not exclusive to sports or other similar events. It's used to intimidate the opposition, to make them less confident in their abilities as to win easier. But it also can be used in a humorous spirit. Trash talk is often characterized by use of hyperbole or figurative language, such as, your team can't run, you run like honey on ice. Puns and other wordplay are commonly used. I'm going to give you a few illustrations of big-time trash talk for a minute. You remember the man named Cassius Clay? You came to know him later as Muhammad Ali. Before his, the seventh round, he, uh, he was fighting, and he said that he would knock this guy out. But you'll remember this. This one's pretty popular. He said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. That's trash talk. In uh, a game in which Shannon Sharp, playing for the Denver Broncos, uh, beat up the Patriots. Shannon Sharp said this, I'll call the president. President, we need the National Guard. We need as many men as you can spare because we're killing the Patriots. So call the dogs off. Send the National Guard, please. That's trash talk. Back to Muhammad Ali before he won his first championship against Sonny Liston, he said this, after the fight, I'm going to build myself a pretty home, and I'm going to use him as a bearskin rug. Liston even smells like a bear. I'm going to give him to the local zoo after I whoop him. That's trash talk. That's trash talk. There was a guy named, it was a British author, Thomas Carlyle, and he called ridicule, because most trash talk is ridicule, He called it the language of the devil. William Shakespeare said that ridicule were paper bullets of the brain. When you think about it, most things were written, not spoken, written at the time of Shakespeare. Paper bullets of the brain. Let's talk again about what takes place in this morning's passage. Sanballat heard that we were building the wall. He was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. This guy was the Horonite governor of the the place called Samaria. In the book of Nehemiah, he's a critic of the rebuilding of the wall, an arch detractor of everything Nehemiah and Ezra tried to do. His actions reveal his intentions. As you go through the book of Nehemiah, if you were to take the whole book and just read it, you would find out that this character, Sanballat, does these things. First, he attempts to prevent the rebuilding of the wall. Then he gathers a bunch of enemies together to fight against Nehemiah's work. Then he attempts actually to ambush Nehemiah, to take him out. And finally, he hires a guy named Shemaiah to lure Nehemiah into the temple. And his reason to get him lured into the temple is because if you stepped into the temple, God would kill you. So this guy here was a real detractor 
of the work that Nehemiah was doing. Listen to what he said in the second verse. He said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? There's your trash talk. Will they restore it for themselves? He's mocking them. What are they doing? Are they going to rebuild the city themselves? Will they sacrifice? What he's saying is, is this is such an incredible task They'll never get it done. They couldn't afford enough money or enough time to get this task accomplished. Will they finish in a day? Now, you may read that and think that what he's saying there is, is will they get it done today? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is they'll work for a while and they'll quit today. Will they actually rebuild the wall? Look at what he says with the, the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that. You probably hadn't thought about it. But they had to rebuild with what was lying there. They had to rebuild with what was on the ground. Even though Nehemiah had asked the king for certain things, they had to use the stone what was there. And he says that it's rubbish. It's burned ones. Now, the burned ones are going to come up in the next guy's statement, which is that other guy, Tobiah. What difference does it make if stones are burned? Here's how it is. When, when Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, he said, yes. What they're building, if a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. Here's what you need to know. That type of sandstone, if it goes through a great deal of heat like a fire, it just begins to crumble. It just begins to fall apart. And that's his point. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. This is now Nehemiah praying. Turn their taunt on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in the land where they're captives. Hear or, or do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they provoke you to anger in the presence of the builders. And then Nehemiah says, so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to its height. For the people had a mind to work. I want to just stop here and note something for you. Just to, I, I pointed it out when I read it that I liked that line, the people had a mind to work. I want to point out to you that they worked as they prayed. There is a time to pray, and there's a time to get to it. But what I really want you to note is that prayer, it's another one in places where I'm skeptical. (laughs) Okay? I've been praying about that. People tell me that all the time. I've been praying about that, Joel. I've been praying about that. And sometimes I just want to say, well, you've prayed long enough. Why don't you do something? They prayed while they worked. You know what I think? I think Satan would have loved, loved, loved for Nehemiah to get into an argument with Sanballat and Tobiah. To jump in there and say, listen, I'm going to tell you a thing or two. We're going to get this job done and blah, blah, blah. What would that have done? That would have taken him out of the work. So the people just kept on praying and they kept on working. When Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem was going forward and the breaches, that is the holes in the wall, were beginning to be closed, they became more angry. I want to tell you, there's a lot of help wanted signs hanging around here today, aren't there? You go out and look, you drive anywhere, you see those help wanted signs. Can I tell you something? I want you to be sure you hear me right. Satan has no human resource problem. As long as sin reigns on earth, and it does, Satan has no human resource problem. These were bad dudes. Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabites, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites. 
when they heard that the wall was going forward, did you notice how many? I mean, we started out talking about two people, Sanballat and Tobiah. Now we got the Ammonites, the Ashkenites, this other group. It's growing. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. There's a word there in that passage you really need to look at, and the word is confusion. Confusion, confusion, confusion. You ever been in high stress? I mean real high stress. I, I, I don't mean you ever have a few problems. I mean, have you ever been trying to rebuild Jerusalem's walls and there's an army gathered right outside the door and the walls aren't up yet and they're hollering at you and telling you we're going to tear it down and destroy you in the end? Nehemiah is under high stress. I'll tell you what that does to most people. It throws them into confusion. Trying to figure out what to do, how to act, where to go. One of the things I've noticed about the wall, one of the things I want you to notice about this wall is that that the builders are inside the wall still, and Nehemiah is inside the wall still, but all of the detractors are out there behind the wall. And that wall that was meant to protect the people inside ultimately became a curtain, hear me now, for those that were outside. Satan loves nothing more to maintain his anonymity, to create confusion, but to hide behind the curtain. To make it look as if someone around you did it. Someone near you did it. Best would be if someone that you love did it. That's one of the reasons why gossip does so much damage in a church. Satan hides behind the wall. And you've got to ask yourself, how does that confusion creep into a church? And yeah, I'm supposed to be going through this a verse at a time, but I want you to hear me. So we're going to stop for a minute. It's when we fail to have a single-minded devotion to our mission. Hear me. When we forget our mission, that's when we open up the door, place the breaches in the wall, and let someone else come in that shouldn't be there. I've been harping for a couple of years now. You've seen it on signs. You've seen it on the bulletins. You've heard me talk about it in that class. You've heard me talk about it in a number of places about Westbrook Park's mission and vision, which the church adopted, the church chose to follow. We've got to stick to it. There's a reason for that. If we aren't going to stick to it, then whose mission are we going to follow? Yours? Mine? I can give you Janice's phone number. She'll tell you right now why you shouldn't do that. Got to keep our eyes square on what we're doing. We need to learn it. Otherwise, there will be a rudder underneath our ship that will be just like the detractors behind the curtain. You can't see it. You can't touch it, but it will for sure map out a direction that does not lead us to where God wants us to go. And those voices outside the wall of Jerusalem were for sure mapping out a direction for Jerusalem that had nothing to do 
with the people being freed and with the walls going up and restoring the city of God. Let me say it plainer to you. No rudder that you cannot see should be able to direct the ship's path, period. And if it is, we need to cut it off. We need to let it walk away and sink to the bottom in peace on its own. But to let that rudder undermine and injure, injure the vision and the purpose that God has for this church will be a mistake. So Nehemiah says, we prayed to God and we set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Nehemiah not only prayed, but he set a watch. Hold on to that word watch. He, he, he put people on the guard to look out to see what's going on. He set a watch. And in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Be sure you understand. In Judah, outside of Jerusalem, in the tribe of Judah, there was this, this message that said the strength of our colleagues that are in Jerusalem is failing. They've got too much rubble. And by themselves, they'll not be able to rebuild the walls. Church, understand me, discouragement begins to have its way when it moves from outside to the inside. There wasn't a soldier of Sanballat or Tobiah or the Ammonites or the Ashdodites within the city. No raids had taken place, but discouragement was setting in. And when discouragement set in, the battle moved from out there behind the curtain to in here where they were trying to get the job done. You say, Joel, you're reading a lot into that. Let me remind you of something. Jesus had 12. It only took one. Discouragement and complaining and gossip spread rapidly. It hinders God's work. When they said, we will not be able, well, you know what they were doing? They were agreeing with the enemy. But I want you to note what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah kept on building. He kept on praying. He kept on watching. And he kept on working. So he says, our enemy said, they'll not know or see till we come amongst them and kill them and stop the work. This was a rumor. Rumors just like gossip. Sam Ballant and Tobiah, somebody said that somebody said that somebody said that they said when we attack, they won't even know we're coming. We'll kill them and we'll stop this work that way. And don't you know, people began to chirp. It says at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions. They said to us ten times, you must return to us. Now you need to know this about any city in biblical times. They would have a wall around it, but not everybody lived behind the wall. People built their homes just outside the wall. People lived outside, but the protection would come from within the city. And those people that were out there began to hear what was being said, and they came. Notice how many times they came. They came ten times, and they said to Nehemiah, you've got to come back to us. We're in trouble. You've got to do something about this. But Nehemiah says, in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in the places that were still open, I stationed people by their clans, and I gave them their swords, their spears, and their bows. 
And he says, I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. He is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. To give you a clear picture, the people that were saying, we're afraid, they say they're going to come kill us, it's not going to work out. Nehemiah says, bring your families to the holes in the wall, bring your swords, bring all your weaponry, and you will stand there and you will protect your families and you will protect each other. And it points out for us something that we ought to pay attention to, church. And I really truly believe this. Faith and fear should never reside in the same place. Faith and fear. That fear is that discouragement. Now, I just told you something which you didn't see in the text, but I want you to be aware of. When we read the 13th and the 14th verses, this is the 14th verse. There is a 15th verse. I didn't read it to you. It's important to know what happens in the 15th verse. What happens in the 15th verse is they keep on working. They keep on building. But what happens in the 13th and the 14th verses is the work stopped. Did you hear me? The work stopped. The cranes quit running. There were no cranes. But you get the picture. They stopped. And what's more important to understand is the stopping of the work is exactly what the detractors wanted. The stopping of the work is exactly what Sanballat and Tobiah wanted. It didn't matter how it came about. It didn't matter if they had to attack. It didn't matter what they had to do. All they wanted to do was to stop them from building. And it happened. They got their way. Church, let me tell you something. Satan would like nothing better than for the work to stop. Remember, the people had a mind to work. And the detractors got it stopped. They got their way. And Satan would like nothing more than for the work that God is doing in your life and mine to come to a screeching halt. You've heard as a kid those words, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's been my experience in life that the mouth really is a poison. I, I love the scripture that says, and it, Solomon wrote it, he said, better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. I'd much rather love it if a friend came to me and said, hey, Joel, you got a problem than to have it come from somebody whose intention is not to help but to hurt. If you spend time pondering the enemy's words, if you spend time pondering your detractor's words, if you spend time looking at what everybody out there is saying, you actually give Satan a foothold from which he can attack much more closer to home to, than you could ever imagine. And so the best thing to do is to do what they did in verse 15. They got back to work. They prayed, committed it to the Lord, and they got back to doing what God had called them to do. I want to show you one of the verses that we read, but I'm going to cut out the extraneous words. And it's right there on the screen. 
Nehemiah said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Church, when we face a situation that creates fear in our system, our heart, our soul, our church, one of the things we do well to do is to remind ourselves of who God is. If you walk by sight and you view everything that's going on around you through your human eyes, you will see the problems, you will be discouraged, and it's likely you will fail. But when we walk by faith and not by sight, that is faith in Jesus, faith in God, something happens. Not long ago in Scripture, we talked about those ten spies who were sent into the Canaan land. What happened when they came back? There's giants in the land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. The fruit's humongous. But there's giants in the land, and we can never go in there and win. And two people called Joshua and Caleb said, oh, yes, we can. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. With God before us, who could be against us? Let's go. But instead, they chose to stay, and by choosing to stay and facing into their discouragement and feeding that in their lives, they wandered for another 40 years, and the whole generation died off outside the camp. Do you remember David, the shepherd boy, when he went up to meet Goliath? I want you to imagine you're David, this young, probably teenage shepherd boy with nothing but some stones that he pulled out of a creek bed. He's given the armor of King Saul, and he says, I can't wear it. It's not mine. I just got to go with what I know. And he just went up there with his loincloth or whatever he was wearing and five little stones. You know what he said to that Philistine giant? Listen to these words. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel and that this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and with the spear, for as the battle belongs to him, and he will give you into our hand. Church, listen to what Nehemiah said to the people. Don't be afraid, but remember the Lord. There's a book I have on my shelf, printed in 1958 by a guy named Dr. Alan Redpath. It's called v Victorious Christian Service. And there are people that would say that, you know, Dr. Redpath was old school. I'm okay with old school. But he said about this passage these things, and I want you to listen to them. The people had a mind to work, a heart to pray, an eye to watch, and an ear to hear. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. And that brings me to my bottom line very simple. Devotion defeats discouragement. Now, what do I mean by that? Listen to what David wrote in the Psalms. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth set themselves up. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Then David says this, But he who sits in the heavens laughs. (laughs) The kings of the earth. The kings of the earth. Let's break the cords. Let's get out of here. Let's do things our way. The one who sits in heaven laughs. Can I remind you that Goliath ridiculed David when he came down there with those five sons? Can I remind you that when Jesus was on trial, the soldiers mocked him? Can I remind you that when he hung on the cross, the two thieves mocked him? There was trash talking all through that event. And for the heroes of the faith, when you get to Hebrews 11, it says this, they endured the mocking of fools. Trash talk's always been something for the people of faith. You might ask yourself, and I'm going to address it here for a minute, when Judah said, we're going to be destroyed, those were Israelites. Those were the children of Israel. Why? Did they get so discouraged to bring that into the camp? You read later on in the book of Nehemiah, and you'll find two things. One, they had married into the enemy. They had different allegiances than everybody else. The second thing is, later in the book of Nehemiah, they were more interested in making money in Jerusalem than securing Jerusalem for God to make his way. You know, when you see some discouragement in the midst of the church, there's something I've learned in 38 years of preaching in the local church. When you find discouragement in the midst of the camp, it's usually coming from from someone that doubts or someone that compromises themselves. There's usually something wrong in their spiritual walk that leads them to want everybody else to fall where they're falling. They may lack in their faith in God's word. They may not believe the scripture for what it is. They may not believe that Jesus died on a cross for their sins and that truly he is able to forgive them. Whatever it is, they'll bring that discouragement in and try to drag others down, just like the Sambalats and the Tobias of, their, of that day. You know, James addressed that. James said this. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. You can't have good sweet water come out of, and salt water come out of the same hole. I thought about this all week, you know, and this is going to sound so judgmental, I'd be afraid to say it in front of a camera. But I have watched discouraged people in the church be discouraged by others who called themselves Christians, whose real intent was to destroy the progress of the kingdom of God. And I really have come to a great conclusion that they really aren't sold into wanting to see the kingdom of God prevail. That's pretty sad. Jesus one day came to his disciples and he said to them, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be betrayed. And after I'm betrayed, they're going to crucify me. 
And Peter jumps up, and Peter says, Lord, far be it from you. There's no way this will happen to you. You remember what Jesus says to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. What? You ever have anybody call you Satan? I mean, this, this is Jesus. And Peter's saying, Lord, that's not going to happen. What you're saying is, hey, Jesus says, don't tell me. You get behind me, Satan, because you're, you're not going to get me off path. You are not going to take me from where I'm headed. I know what I came here to do. I know what I'm going to do, and I will complete this task that my Father gave to me no matter what. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, Peter had to spin his head. He called me what? Nehemiah looked at the people and he said to them, don't be afraid. Look to the Lord. You know, I want to remind you of something. And it comes back uh, to this statement that I gave you from this Dr. Redpath. I've got to find it and then I'll tell you what I want to tell you about it. He is right. The four things that he said, the people had a mind to work. That's correct. It's clearly stated in Scripture that they got to work. They got out their hammers. They got out their tools. They went to work on building the wall. That is true. They did that. The people had a heart to pray. That is true. They prayed. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. He said the people had an ear to hear. That is true. They listened. That's why they got to work. But then he says they had an eye to watch. And you know, I thought about that. The, the scripture says, remember we read it, that Nehemiah set a watch. He called the people when the discouragement entered in and called them to the holes in the wall. And actually, you've got to love the King James Bible. The King James says that with one hand they held their sword and with the other hand they held their tools. So while they're working, they're holding their defensive equipment. Can you imagine reality is what really probably happened was they broke them up in halves and said you guys defend while we work and you guys defend while we work but it's a beautiful picture of somebody standing there with a sword in one hand to defend the kingdom and a hammer in the other to get to work but you remember when he set them there in those holes what he said was he said set a watch he said look out there and be sure you know what the enemy's doing and you know I thought about that long and hard for, for a couple of weeks now and I'll tell you what I think. When Nehemiah said, don't be afraid, look to the Lord. I think when those people were sitting there in that watch, some of them were looking and all they were seeing, all they were seeing was Sanballat and Tobiah and the armies of the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. And all they could see was that which was going to distract them and ultimately disillusion them, then eventually discourage them, and at the end of the line, destroy them. But I believe there were some that were standing in that hole that were looking out there, and they saw the same thing that everybody else saw. But they really did look to the Lord. And they understood that it's not by sight. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. They understood that we look on the outward, but God looks on the inward. They understood that God is able to do anything. And so as they looked out through that hole, they saw what other people can't see. Church, 
We need more of those that can look out the hole and see what others can't see. We need no more to look outside and see the Sanballats and the Tobias and the Ammonites. And if we can't buy into the vision, we need to go where we can find one that we can. You know, there's a beautiful song we're going to sing today, and it says this. He makes graves into gardens. I want you to think about that for a minute. He makes graves into gardens. Y'all get ready to sing. I'm not done with talking to you. Jesus hung on a cross and died there. They stuffed him into a grave and walked away. But God brought him back to life. He makes graves full of life. If you read these words and as you sing this song, understand the real meaning of what's being said here. Don't see the enemy outside the camp. See God coming in to deal with the issue. And see God preparing to lead us to finish the walls.